Section 2 of Claimants to Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daniel Fraser. Claimants to Royalty by John H. Ingram. The False Smerdis of Persia. B.C. 520. The history of no country is more replete with strange incidents and tragic events than is the history of Persia, and probably none of those romantic episodes are more curious than is that of the Pseudo-Smerdis. Herodotus is our chief authority for the few circumstances recounted of this impostor's life and deeds, and those few circumstances like so many other wonderful things told of by the father of history, must be taken cum grano salis. It is very difficult to distinguish the facts of so remote a period of the world's history, as was the epoch of Smerdis, from the fable. And the safer plan is to accept all such records, not strongly corroborated by a conformity of contemporary opinion, as pure fiction, or as merely symbolic. The migrations and conquests of prehistoric peoples, as displayed by their philological and ethnological remains, are far more reliable evidence than are fables of the partial or purposely misleading so-called historians of antiquity, whose writings generally are little better than collections of allegorical folklore. The story of the Pseudo-Smerdis, with these qualifying reservations, may be narrated thus. Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, left his extensive possessions to his eldest son Cambyses. This monarch, whom it has been sought to identify with the Ahasuerus of Scripture, commenced his reign with a great display of energy and warlike spirit, but would appear to have incensed the priesthoods of the different countries under his sway by manifesting an utter contempt for their rights and by deriding their ceremonies. Urged by an insatiable ambition, he made war upon Egypt, added it to his already overgrown empire, and then, with his vast hordes of soldiery, overran the greater portion of North Africa. Not, however, possessing the ability or means of swaying such extended domains, he found himself, after his armies had suffered most frightful loss of life, compelled to retreat from Ethiopia and to return to Egypt. Arriving in this latter country about the period of the festivals held in honour of Apis, he is stated to have slain the sacred bull, under which form the god was symbolically worshipped, and in consequence of the sacrilegious deed was punished with insanity. Previous to this catastrophe, in a fit of jealousy, he had sent his only brother Smerdis back to Persia, and now his suspicions as to the good faith of his nearest relative and heir were intensified by a dream he had, in which he imagined that a courier had arrived from Persia to inform him that Smerdis had usurped the Persian throne. Filled with dread, Cambyses sent for Prexaspes, his most faithful servitor, and persuaded him to undertake the assassination of Smerdis. During the absence of his envoy, and whilst under the influence of frightful attacks of mental aberration, he committed the most terrible cruelties. 
amongst the crimes enumerated by the historian being the brutal murder of his sister whom he had espoused the slaying of the son of his favourite prexaspes and the burying alive head downwards of twelve of the principal noblemen of his court the assassination of smerdis which was undoubtedly carried out combined with the mental incapacity of cambyses offered a good opportunity for a bold energetic man to grasp the reins of power and as is generally the case the man presented himself there was a certain member of the magi or priestly caste of persia who not only greatly resembled the murdered prince in feature but also more wonderful to relate bore the same name of smerdis the ears of this man had been cut off by cyrus for some crime or offence he was therefore as may be well imagined only too ready to seize an opportunity to avenge himself on his royal master aided if not instigated by his elder brother patazethes a man of some influence and governor of the palace smerdis raised the standard of revolt and the death of the real prince not being generally known speedily obtained possession of all the royal strongholds tutored by his brother the pseudo-prince usurped the throne and then as the veritable son of cyrus sent envoys to all parts but chiefly to the chief men and commanders of the army in egypt ordering them to relinquish their allegiance to cambyses and to do homage to him smerdis as king of persia one of the pretender's envoys having arrived at ecbatana in syria where the persian monarch was proclaimed his mission publicly in the midst of the army when cambyses heard the announcement he fancied that he had been deceived by prexaspes and that he had not executed his order to kill smerdis he angrily accused his too faithful servitor of having betrayed him but he not only positively assured him that he had done the deed and buried the murdered prince with his own hands but also suggested to him that the envoy should be sent after and interrogated this reasonable advice being approved of by cambyses the messenger was at once sought for discovered brought before the king and promised a safe conduct if he confessed the truth have you seen prince smerdis personally demanded prexaspes have you received your instructions from his own mouth or from one of his ministers verily answered the man i have not beheld prince smerdis since the egyptian war but the magi who was made governor of the palace by cambyses gave me my orders and informed me that smerdis the son of cyrus had commanded that the proclamation should be published here cambyses on hearing this exonerated his confidant from the charge of having disobeyed his orders but could not comprehend the meaning of the conspiracy against his authority prexaspes however who was well acquainted with the magi brothers began to see through the mystery and said this affair is brought about by the magi who are always conspiring against you patithises whom you left in persia to take charge of your affairs and his brother smerdis are the authors of this undertaking cambyses on hearing the name of smerdis pronounced called to mind his dream and perceiving the inutility of his fratricidal crime began to bewail his brother's death determined to set forth at once to expose and punish the pretender 
he hastily mounted his horse, and in doing so the scabbard became detached from the sword. The naked weapon penetrated his right thigh, exactly in the same way as he had mortally wounded the sacred bull of Apis. Finding himself severely wounded, the king demanded the name of the place, and being informed that it was Ecbatana, at once concluded that his end was near at hand, an oracle having formerly foretold that he would die at Ecbatana. He had hitherto believed that the prophecy meant the town of that name in Media, but now saw that it meant Ecbatana in Syria. After lingering in a serious state for some days, he summoned the chief Persian nobles who were with him, and said, I must confess to you what, above all things, I would have kept concealed. When in Egypt I had a dream which made me fear that my brother Smerdis would despoil me of the empire, I therefore had him executed. But his death has but hastened the loss of my sovereignty, for it was the Magi Smerdis of whom God spoke to me in a dream, and who has now taken up arms against me. Do not imagine that it is Smerdis, the son of Cyrus, still living. But, believe me, the kingdom has been usurped by the Magi, one of whom I left in Persia to manage my household affairs, and the other is his brother named Smerdis. He then conjured them to take vengeance upon the pretenders, and with some shrewd injunctions took leave of them. After this interview his wound rapidly became mortal, and he died after a reign of little more than seven years. Upon the decease of Cambyses, no one cared to dispute possession of the Persian throne with the pseudo Smerdis, who was, indeed, generally believed to be the prince whose name he had assumed, most people deeming the dying words of the late monarch to have been prompted by a desire for vengeance upon his brother for seeking the Persian sovereignty during his life. As for Prexaspes, for obvious reasons, he refrained from proclaiming his share in the death of a son of Cyrus. For seven months the pretender ruled this mighty empire, and with such beneficence and justice, that for long after his death he was deeply regretted by all the peoples of Asia, with the exception of the warlike Persians, whom he offended by exempting all his subjects from military service for three years, and from all kinds of tribute. In the eighth month of his reign, his imposture was thus singularly discovered. Otanes, a Persian nobleman of the highest rank and wealth, had long suspected the deceit, and by means of his daughter Fadima was enabled to detect it. She had been wife to the late king, and after the death of Cambyses was retained in the impostor's harem. Otanes knew that the Magian Smerdis, whom he guessed the impersonator of the dead prince to be, had had his ears cut off. He therefore commanded his daughter to try and discover, during his slumbers, whether the present wearer of the crown had lost his or not. The girl consented, and, despite all the pretender's care to conceal his deficiency, in the course of a few days was enabled to inform her father that this Smerdis had not any ears. This intelligence was sufficient for Otanes, who summoned six of the leading Persian nobles, and informed them of his discovery. Whilst they were debating amongst themselves how to take vengeance upon the Magians, another unlooked-for event hastened the pretender's detection. Feeling insecure, 
the party of the pseudo smerdis summoned to them prexaspes the only man who could prove the death of the murdered prince and by means of heavy bribes sought to win him to their party knowing his influence amongst the people and his knowledge of the private affairs of the late king they desired him to acknowledge the present occupant of the throne as the veritable son and heir of cyrus he appeared to consent the persians were required to assemble and prexaspes addressing them from the summit of an adjacent tower frustrated all the magi's plans by confessing himself to the multitude as the assassin of the real smerdis the son of cyrus the king as soon as he had completed the story of the murder he implored them to oust the magians from power and then precipitating himself from the tower was killed on the spot in the meanwhile the seven persian noblemen were not idle having arranged their plans they penetrated into the palace slew the bodyguards and despite their courageous resistance put the pretender and his brother to death thus after a most prosperous reign of eight months perished the pseudo smerdis his death was followed by a general attack upon the magi or so-called wise men and a very large number of them were ruthlessly slaughtered the fact of their being medes rendered them hateful to the persians and caused the latter to be only too glad of an excuse for their extermination end of the false smerdis of persia recording by daniel fraser